We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Ready? Down! Put, 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 put! This is the Bear Report Podcast with Zach Pearson. Zach Pearson. And Aaron Lemming. Aaron Lemming. Providing extensive coverage of the Chicago Bears. Go Bears! Presented by Blue Wire Pods. And now, here are your hosts, Zach Pearson and Aaron Lemming. And now joining us here on the Bear Report Podcast, a special guest. He's a Chicago sports historian, Jack Silverstein. The guy knows everything about Chicago sports. Actually, he knows a lot about the city of Chicago, too, which is awesome. He's a great follow on Twitter. He's a great guy overall, and I decided to bring him on to give us some insight. Devin Hester, Steve McMichael, the Hall of Fame, all that good stuff. Jack this is the first time we've kind of really met. Uh, we were talking about this um, meeting over like a Zoom stream yard. So I really appreciate you taking the time to join me tonight, man. How are you doing? I'm well. I'm well, Zach. I appreciate you having me. Thank you so much. Yeah, man. So I brought you on for a reason. Uh, like I said, you, you're a great follow on Twitter. You know a lot about Thank everything. You, um, you know, I, I think that I know a good amount of stuff, but I think your brain is filled with like triple, quadruple of, of what I know in Chicago sports history. So I want to get right into it, man. Like this is another year, another opportunity with the pro football hall of fame. It's yeah. coming up here in a, in a month. Uh, yeah. I think actually just almost ran the down a month, but mm-hmm. we'll kind of know who's getting in and the bears. They have the obvious one. Devin Hester is a candidate for the third straight year. Steven Michael um, is a candidate as well. Can you kind of explain the whole Steve McMichael um, thing about getting in and kind of the process with that first? Yeah, definitely. So Steve McMichael is a senior candidate. At a high level, the way that the Pro Football Hall of Fame works is you retire, and then there are five years, and then you are eligible. It's called your modern era eligibility. So Brian Urlacher was a first ballot Hall of Famer. That means he retired in 2012. He was 13, 14, 15, 16, 17. And then his first year of eligibility was 2018, and he got in. Your modern eligibility lasts for 20 years. And after that point, if you're not in, you become a senior. Now they elect up to five modern era candidates a year. Um, They only elect up to three seniors per year. And that is a number that has actually gone up uh, in the past two years. Steve McMichael, as a senior candidate, was voted in as what's called a finalist. And that's why when the announcement came that Steve McMichael reached this stage, a lot of people were saying, Steve McMichael made the Hall of Fame. And then a lot of other people were saying, no, 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 there's another vote. So there is another vote. 
and that vote will happen at the same time as the modern era candidates. So Devin Hester, third year of eligibility, modern era. Steve McMichael, senior. Um, but the votes, the vote for, for seniors is, uh, is a rubber stamp at this point um, for a lot of reasons. But what I'll say is that if they don't elect Steve McMichael, or if they don't elect any of the three finalists, the other being um, uh, Randy Gratishar, the great Broncos linebacker of the 1970s and 1980s, and Art Powell, the great wide receiver um, for the Raiders and the New York Titans, the Jets precursor. If they don't elect one of those guys, it will be a failing of the process that they reformed a couple of years ago because there's this huge senior backlog. And so they decided instead of only voting one to two guys in, let's vote in up to three. So it would be a huge, huge upset if Steve McMichael was not voted in. At that stage, you're not voted against anyone else. It is strictly a yes or no. The entire voting body, 50 people, they vote yes or no. And you need to get 80% of the vote to get in. And that's what also happens at the end for the modern era candidates. The way the modern era works is there's this massive list that actually anyone can nominate on. It was up to 173 people this year. The vote, and that's a whole nother story, but the, the voters then take that list, they get it down to 25. That's the semifinalists that we hear about. Then they take that list, they get it down to 15. That's the finalists that we hear about. They take that list of 15 and they go to their in-person meeting. It used to be the day before the Super Bowl. Now it's a little bit earlier because they announce it for NFL honors, which is the Thursday before the Super Bowl. So that's when it will be announced. So they do it a little bit earlier now, the final vote. And the 50 uh, voters will meet. They will have all 15 finalists presented. Dan Pompey will present. Devin Hester's case. He is the Chicago representative. So he presented Brian Urlacher and he and presented Steve McMichael because he's also on the senior committee. And they will vote from 15 down to 10 and from 10 down to five. And then they will do that up down vote, still 80%. Basically what that means is that the senior pool, all those things that are done on one day in the modern era group are spaced out. So the seniors are already at that 80% vote. And that's why it's considered a lock because they don't reject anybody anymore. They haven't rejected a modern era player since 2005. So it would be absolutely shocking, like you said, if they rejected a, a, a modern era player like that. I rejected a modern era player or a senior player. It would be absolutely, at this point, it would be absolutely shocking. It, is, it has not happened in a very long time. Yeah, because, you know, with the with the senior one it was it was a little confusing because like that yep. came out was it? i think it was like september august yep. around there yeah um and personally me like i took it as okay he's he's in it's it's over and then i'm like reading it again i'm, I'm like this kind of doesn't make a lot of sense how they like word everything so okay so it's still a process for mcmichael to get in it's a little different but it's also kind of the same as pretty much they're they're gonna they're gonna vote him in if they okay. don't vote him in, not only would it be a major upset, but it would be it would be a major flaw for this mm -hmm. system because these three candidates, Gratishar, Art Powell, and Steve McMichael, those are the three candidates that they're voting for for 
for this class of seniors. Okay. And a huge problem is that there's this major backlog. There's all these players. There's all decade players. There's offensive and defensive players of the year. There's MVPs. There's just a ton of players. And the hall, in order to combat that, you might remember in 2020, they had that special centennial class yep. where they had that massive class. We, we had Ed Sprinkle and Jim Covert both get in. Then they added, they built the seniors from one to two a year to up to three. But if they were to vote Steve McMichael or R. Powell or Randy Gratishar, if they were to vote them down, they don't get to replace them this year, but they also don't eliminate them. So uh, what, would happen is, what would happen is, let's say they voted McMichael down. McMichael's not ineligible next year. He's still eligible, but they don't get to replace him this year with someone. They would just lose a spot. It would fly in the face of the whole purpose of expanding the senior vote. So they would, they would look very bad. And the, the uh, senior committee is a subcommittee of the full committee. Okay. So then like those people on the senior committee, would they be blamed for offering up what would be seen as a substandard candidate or would the full committee be blamed for rejecting the expertise of the senior committee? It would be a, it would be a mess. So not only would it, is it not going to happen if it did happen, it'd be a major upset and a lot of people would be at odds and it's just not going to happen. You can pencil Stephen and Michael in for the class of 2024. So it, it sounds, it's so complicated, but at the same time, it does sound pretty simple when you, when you break that down. Um, okay, let, let's get to Devin Hester. Um, yeah. cause this is one of the more, um, you know, I don't want to speak for everyone, but in, in my eyes, this is one of the more intriguing cases, I think, for the Hall of Fame in a very long time. Because we're talking about a guy who was primarily a return specialist. And you look at Devin Hester, and, and you know, we, we grew up in that era. We watched that era. It was different football in terms of the kickoff. Obviously, different rules now with other things. But totally. kickoffs were a lot different back then. And I think, you know, I'm not in those rooms. I, I you know, I know Dan Pompey is an incredible guy, incredible writer, and I know Absolutely. he does his best. Um, so I guess I want to get your opinion. Is the argument of, you know, Devin Hester pretty much changed the rules because of, you know, it was a different game back then. Um, and what he was doing was just incredible. Is that kind of the main argument that you would go for? Or what is the main argument for you? Um, if you're trying to get Devin Hester into the Hall of Fame. So the first thing to know, big picture, is that the semifinalist era started in 2004. The semifinalist is the top 25. The finalist is the top 15. Since the semifinalist era started, every player who was a first ballot semifinalist either got into Canton as a modern era player or they're eligible and on the ballot a finalist right now. If you got onto the ballot and you were a semifinalist in your first year, you got into Canton or you're a finalist right now, which means that for all of those players, it's just a matter of when, not if. It's a matter of okay. shuffling these names around, looking at the cases. None of these people are in danger of not making the haul. Got it. Now, if there's one outlier, certainly it's Hester. In all of the voting trends that I've looked at, the one big outlier is Steve Tasker. Steve Tasker is the only player to make the semis in his first five years of eligibility and not make Canton. 
he was in the semis his second year. I think it was like his fifth year. He had like a run. It was 10 of his 20 years of eligibility. He was in the semis and never advanced. So if there's one outlier, it's Hester because he's a specialist. Hester is the only player other than Jan Stenerud to be a special teamer and be a first ballot semifinalist. And Hester was a first ballot finalist. To me, the big challenge was going to be, could the voters see past the obvious problem, if you want to call it that, of his candidacy, which is that he was a specialist. He wasn't an every down player. And they made him a first ballot, not just first ballot semifinalist, they made him a first ballot finalist. So that's farther than any pure returner has ever gone. I'm not talking, Dion, Dion gets in the hall even if he never returned a kick or a punt. Yeah. Rod Woodson gets in the hall even if he never did that. Gale Sayers, because of his short career, probably needed those return yards. But, you know, you're talking about someone who was able to just do this one thing. Two things, really, and this is part of his case. Two things, punts and kicks. Yeah. Two things. Um, so they already decided that he is worthy. They made him a first ballot finalist. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I don't think he's going to be the person who's going to be the first first ballot finalist to not make the hall. It might take him a little longer. Right now, the record wait is six years for first ballot finalists. So I wrote a piece for Windy City Gridiron a couple of years ago that said, Devin Hester is a lock by 2027. Okay. I stand by that. I don't think he, maybe he'll fall to 2028. I, I think that would be an upset. Um, what we know is that last year, the debate on Hester came down to snap counts. And oh. Dan Pompey shared with Larry Meyer from ChicagoBears.com that that was where the debate came. And what I think happened is that the first year he was eligible, he made it all the way to, to the final 10. Last year, he only made it to the final 15, which means he got in the room and then they had a cut down vote and he was removed. And from reading what Dan told Larry, I think there were probably voters who all of a sudden maybe were silent on Hester, not thinking he was going to advance. And then he did. And so then the next year, they like pulled the guns out and were like, no, 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 hold on. Snap counts. Ah. If you're arguing about snap counts, that's the lowest possible bar. So there's still yeah. a little bit of work to to do with Devin Hester. But if I were making, if I were making Devin's case um, and, and, and Dan, Dan knows what he's doing. So I'm not, I'm not telling him anything he doesn't know, but if I was making Devin's case, the first thing that I would say point blank is I would lead with an opinion, which is that there are not five players on this ballot with better resumes than Devin Hester. Okay. 
I like there are, that. There are not five players. It is a class of five. Yeah. Now, I wouldn't put Devin Hester in first ballot over first ballot every down players. I wouldn't put him in over Deion Sanders. I wouldn't put him in over Rod Woodson. I wouldn't put him in over Tom Brady. I wouldn't put him in over Jim Brown. I wouldn't put him in over Jerry Rice. But what you're talking about right now with this ballot, the first ballot guys are Julius Peppers and Antonio Gates. They're, they're great. They're Hall of Famers. Yeah. Okay? But I look at, I look at Hall of Fames in, in tiers. You can peak as the greatest ever at position – you can peak or, or in the running for, you know, okay. running back. Is it Jim Brown, Walter Payton, Barry Sanders? I don't know, but they're all in the running. I have my opinion. Yes. You have your opinion. Right, exactly. I, I would agree. I would agree with that opinion. Okay. So you've got that tier, which is you're in the running for the greatest ever at your position. The next tier is you're in the running for the greatest ever at your position of your era. Okay. You might not think that Randy Moss was the greatest wide receiver ever because of Jerry Rice, but you might think he was the greatest ever when he played. Yeah. Then you have the guys who are the greatest for a run. They weren't necessarily the greatest of their era, but they had a run where they were the best. And then you have everybody else. And the everybody else are guys who were very good for a long time and they have something special. They... Got, they were on the right team. They have one or two rings, you know, they, that sort of a thing. You've got 15 finalists. Devin Hester is the only one who's in the running for the greatest ever at his position. Yeah. I was going to say. Hester, Devin Hester is the undisputed greatest ever at a position that is older than the NFL. That is uh, – see, and I'm glad you and brought the, that up because – Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I, I, no, it's okay. I, Go ahead. I, I'm glad you brought that up because when you were listing that, first thing that popped in my mind was Devin Hester when you when you listed the great, you know, the greatest of your position ever. So I'm glad I, I, I totally agree with that. Yeah. So was Julius Peppers the greatest defensive end bar none of his era? He was he was up there. He was up there. He had a period where probably he was the best, but you know, there are some other pass rushers who are on this ballot. Jared Allen's on this ballot. Dwight Freeney's on this ballot as a semifinalist. Robert Mathis was on this ballot. I, I think Julius Peppers easily is the best of those guys. Um, but was he head and shoulders where, where, like, you would just say, oh, yeah, Julius Peppers, period? I'm not sure. Antonio Gates had a, had a run where he was probably the best tight end in the league, but his run wasn't as rock solid as Tony Gonzalez. It wasn't as rock solid as Rob Gronkowski. Not yeah. as rock solid right now as Travis Kelsey. Looking back, it wasn't as rock solid as when Shannon Sharp was the best tight end in the NFL. Um, and then you look at everybody else and no one else. Andre Johnson. Andre Johnson had a run where he was the best wide receiver in the league. I think Torrey Holt, to me, had a little bit of that. 2003, I mean, Torrey Holt carved out a first-team All-Pro at a time when T.O., Randy, and Marvin Harrison were at their best. You know, that to me is like, you were named the best. You were the best when they were first and second. T.O. shouldn't have waited that long. But, you know, when we're like tippy-tippy top players at your position active in their prime. Uh, Jahiri Evans, the guard from the Saints, he would be the other guy, and Patrick Willis. So those are the guys, to me, 
are the best of this ballot. Hester, Peppers, Gates, Evans, Johnson, Willis, Holt. So that's that's seven of the 15. And Devin Hester is the greatest ever at the thing that he did. And think about the people who are saying that he's the greatest ever. Deion Sanders said he's the greatest ever. Dante Hall said he's the greatest ever. Gail Sayers said Devin belongs in the Hall of Fame. Brian Mitchell said Devin belongs in the Hall of Fame. Billy White Shoes Johnson talked about how special he was. Josh Cribbs on his podcast just recently, a few, maybe a month or two ago, said that Devin belonged in the Hall of Fame. These are these are guys who are the best, the best of the best. And they are all sitting here going, I have no problem saying that this other guy was better than me at the thing that I did. Yeah. I See, I'd never thought of it that way. And I've heard that. I... I can remember, you know, Dion and, and people like that coming out or, you know, and, and on NFL Network where they do like the recaps of games. If you go back and like actually look at an old Bears game and you watch those those quick three to four minute recaps of NFL Network, you'll hear guys like oh, when, while Hester's playing saying he's the best ever. He He's so great. And I never really kind of took that into account. Another thing, too, like, I mean, there's special teams coordinators are saying it today, too. And I know Richard Hightower is the coach of the Bears. He was with the Bears before. He's got experience with Hester. He's also gone against Hester and seen it, you know. So it, it's it's intriguing to me. And, I, and I'm curious, how much does it – I'll say it's – I want to call that outside noise because, you know, th- those guys, Deion's not in that room, things like that. How much do you think that – plays a part do, are, are guys you know not even only, not only Pompey but are guys um bringing that into the room are they thinking about that do you think well that's that's all kind of going on yeah absolutely because here's one of the things that happens the same people present the same people okay okay Dan is going to present Devin every year until Devin gets in okay now I think Devin's going to get in I don't think he's going to get in this year. I think he should, and I've got a piece coming that argues that. But just the way it's breaking and the sense I get is that it's, it, it won't happen this year, but it will happen in the next few years. But if you look at somebody like John Lynch, John Lynch was a finalist for a long time. I, I, I would have to check eight or nine years. So Ira Kaufman has to present John Lynch every year and try to figure out, all right, now what am I going to say? I've said everything. What now what? And so he would go, and he's not alone. Everybody does this. They go and they talk to those players' teammates, their coaches, their opponents, and they look for that like one little nugget that's going to change the way that they think about them. This is something that's become very interesting in the senior committee because there are guys who have gotten in the past two years, including Steve McMichael, who were never – it's called being in the room. When you're a finalist, that's when you're in the room, who are never in the room. And so there are cases that maybe were growing stale and then someone comes in with a Steve McMichael presentation, an Art Powell presentation, a Joe Klecko presentation, and no one's heard the presentation. And all of a sudden they're going, oh, that's, that's pretty good. And, let's, and, and they, they go ahead and they vote for that person. So these guys and women absolutely bring that stuff into the room. I mean, an intriguing person who's in the room, I mean, you mentioned, well, Dion's not in the room, but here's who is in the room, Tony Dungy. Okay, yeah. Tony Dungy's a voter. The way the voting uh, body works is that there are 32 voters that are assigned to a a market, to a a given NFL market. 
and you know one per team per market so like la has two voters right now new york has two and then there are a number of at large it's gone up and now it's at 50. so 50 total voters so tony dungy is one of those voters the significance of course of tony dungy is that tony dungy's one super bowl as a head coach the guy he took out of the game wasn't brian urlacher it wasn't thomas jones you know it wasn't lance briggs it was Devin Hester. Yep. That was the guy who changed everything. You know, changed the game becomes um, becomes a little cliche, but Devin Hester was the guy who, when the biggest game was there, they said we need to figure out how to deal with this one guy. And obviously, we know the story that they weren't going to kick to him, and then uh, Tony Dungy was in scripture and and yeah. read about David Goliath and said, "No, we're going to go right at him." And then. <laughs> He tells a story. He goes, ah, we're going to go right at him. And 13 seconds later, he was in the end zone. And, um, and then they stopped kicking to him. And that was the difference in the game. More, more than anything else was that on a rainy day when you've got those kicks going up to, I don't want to mention names because, I don't know, it's sad. So, but when you've got them like going up and the guy who fumbles and it's just, it's a different ball game. You know, Devin could have broken another return later in the game think about when desmond howard has had his return yeah and desmond howard in 1996 that's one of the great that's arguably the greatest punt return season ever i mean if you want to say like he led the nfl in yards he led him in touchdowns he led him i think in average and he had two return scores but one was a kickoff in uh in the playoffs and they were still kicking to desmond howard yep. late in the super bowl now something that's very interesting to me and something that i would point out about Devin and why I said earlier that he did two things. Not everyone can be a punt returner and a kickoff returner. They are related, but they are different jobs with different skill sets. Yep. Cordero Patterson gets a little bit of buzz for his kick returns. Devin Hester has more career punt return touchdowns than Cordero Patterson has career punt return yards. Wow. Wow. I did not that I did not know that. That is incredible. Desmond Howard has one of the most famous kick return touchdowns in NFL history, the Super Bowl touchdown. That is the only time in his career he returned a kickoff for a touchdown. Oh my gosh. I did not All know of his other touchdowns are punts. Wow. Rick Upchurch on the Broncos is one of the greatest punt returners ever. Eight career touchdowns. Zero kick return touchdowns. Cordero Patterson, NFL all-time leader in kick return touchdowns with nine, zero punt return touchdowns. Wow. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. The guys like Dante Hall, Brian Mitchell, Mel Gray, Gail Sayers, Dion, Devin Hester, to be able to do both, very, very special. Devin Hester is the greatest punt returner ever by a wide margin, but he's also one of the elite kick returners. You know, that game against the Rams 
don't know if folks remember, but they didn't start him off as a kick returner. His rookie year, he was only returning punts. And finally, after a little bit, they were like, all right, we're going to have you as a kick returner. That Rams game was his second game as the Bears' full-time kick returner. He ran back. Forget the – I mean, we remember the two touchdowns. He set a Bears game record, 225 kick return yards. In his second game as a kick returner. That is crazy. And that'll never happen again. It'll never happen again. It'll never happen. It'll never happen again. Devin Hester, when you start to think about what his case is, I think there are several things. Number one, like I said, he is the greatest ever at a position that predates the NFL. They've been returning kicks longer than they've been than the NFL has existed. Number two, he did them both. He was a great punt returner. He was a great kick returner. He was all decade in different decades as a punt returner and a kick returner. He led the NFL in punt return yards. He led the NFL in kick return yards. He led the NFL in punt return touchdowns. He led the NFL in kick return touchdowns. In his final game in the NFL with the Seahawks, he set his career high in kick return yards. And the number was higher than the last five first-team all-decade kick returners, their career highs. Devin Hester... Devin Hester's Hester's first two seasons, 12 return touchdowns. Dante Hall's entire career, 12 return touchdowns. Devin Hester, without those first two seasons, eight return touchdowns. The other returner who was on the all-century team, Billy White Shoes Johnson, his entire career, eight return touchdowns. Let me say that again. Devin Hester, without his best two seasons, has the same number of return touchdowns as the other returner on the all-century team. When you look at Hester's numbers, there are all sorts of little things like this because the way that he was doing it, the volume was insane. And then you forget about 2010 and 2011. 2010 is one of the great return seasons ever. He led the NFL in punt, yards per punt return, and I think he was like four kick returns short of qualifying. He would have led the NFL in yards per kick return, yards per punt return, and yards per kick return in the same year. Three crazy. touchdowns on returns that year. Three. That's, he- that's someone's career year. You remember when Jerry Zuma made the Pro Bowl as a returner? Yeah. Two, yeah. two touchdowns, and it was a big, big deal. Was he was he four short because – or so they counting – bringing them out or they're counting touchbacks in those they're just counting returns returns okay. yeah and Devin Hester yeah he wasn't always getting to return I have pulled clips from his second year the start of his second year the third game week three 2007 Monday Night Football against the Cowboys the opening kickoff the Cowboys kicked out of bounds and John Madden complimented them they kicked just- out of bounds <laughs> which brings it up to the 40. They took the 40. Yeah. When you talk about what is a Hall of Famer, you talk about that combination of numbers, impact, legacy, peaks, longevity. There are not five players on this ballot with a better combination of that. In Devin Hester's first game, he returned a punt for a touchdown. In his final game, he set his postseason kickoff return record. 
And he had an 80-yard punt return that got called back on a phantom hold that would have given him the postseason record in his final game. It's, it's incredible. It's it's incredible because – and this is why I'm glad I brought you on because I'm glad that like you know those stats and you put that out there because that's like stuff that – you know, you you see the big picture, like he can get in. We know, or, you know, he's got the opportunity to get in. We know what he did. When you like break it down like that, it's just, it puts it that much more impressive. And, you know, when I'm looking at this and I look at this class and you mentioned those names right away for me, the lo- the first lock for me, I, th- I think it's going to be Julius Peppers. I think he's yes. going to get in. I as think, he should. As he should. Um, I think Gates will get in. Um I think it's probably a little debatable. I think personally, I, I kind of want to get your thoughts on this. I think this is so far Hester's best chance to get in, in my in my opinion, because I don't think he was it was ever realistic he was going to get in as a first ballot. Um, I'd have to go back and look last year. I really honestly don't remember the names last year. I do remember it was a good class. Do you do you think this is his best chance now um, for the previous classes and let's say the next two to three? From I think that I, I think that this is his best chance of the past two years because he was okay. just so different that it, it maybe it would have felt weird. You know, I'm in a I'm in a committee that we do our own Hall of Fame vote every year. It matches the process. We voted Devin Hester in on our first year, wow. but we but but we do things a little differently in terms of how we evaluate and um and I think we're a little bit we're a little bit more flexible, but there's also Fewer of us. At most, there's going to be 12, 13 people in a meeting. Um, they have 50, so a lot more opinions. Um, and um, but like we had our vote the other night uh, this this week, and our class was Peppers, Gates, Andre Johnson. And there's going to be one wide receiver. So they they've got this wide receiver logjam. They've got three finalists: Johnson, Reggie Wayne, Tory Holt. There's going to be at least one. There might end up being two. Johnson's the front runner because he's been at the top. Uh, not the he hasn't been there the longest, but he's advanced the furthest. He's been in that top ten. Okay. So, um, but the other two guys that we elected were Randall Cunningham and Richmond Webb. We look we 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 go to the back end of the ballot, the back end of the eligibility, and make sure that everyone's getting their their fair shake. But yeah, I think that yeah. this is a better year for Devin because if you didn't feel comfortable voting for him as a first ballot Hall of Famer, now now you've now he's now in his third. You know if. Julius and Gates and Devin were all first ballot together, I would say, oh, absolutely those two guys. But eventually that that the, the relevance of that snap count argument dissolves the longer you go. Eventually okay. you get to a point where you're like, oh, well, we have to put Devin Hester in the Hall of Fame. He's the greatest ever at the thing he did. So is that breaking point now? Is it next year? Is it the year after? It, it's it's coming. It's you know it will it will be here. I want to I want to read you a, a few more things yeah. statistically wise to put Devin in perspective because at the end of his career with the Falcons he had that punt return that set the they called it the return record and they started okay. calling it the non-offensive touchdown record and it made it seem because he had he and and Deion Sanders were tied at nineteen and then Devin. Had, got the 20 it made it seem like he broke a record by one it makes it seem like it's Devin at 20 and Dion at 19 okay the reality is, is he broke his record by seven it's Devin at 20 for
for special teams touchdowns. It's Brian Mitchell at 13. Okay. Because they called the it non It's not Devin to Dion. They, they had – because it was another record to yeah. break. But the, but, the, but the special teams record was long gone. Okay? I want to put that yeah. into some context for you. Okay? Again, NFL career record for special teams return touchdowns, Devin Hester 20, Brian Mitchell 13. The passing touchdowns record is Tom Brady has 649, Drew Brees has 571. Yeah. 649 to 571. If Brady were as far ahead of second place as Hester is, Brady would have 878 passing touchdowns. Jeez. Good Lord. Okay. Uh, <laughs> rushing touchdowns. Emmett Smith, 164. Ladanian Tomlinson, 145. If Emmett was as far away from Tomlinson as Hester is from Brian Mitchell, Emmett Smith wouldn't have 164 touchdowns. He'd have 223. Good Lord. Jerry Rice, 197. Randy Moss, 156. If Jerry Rice were as far ahead of second place as Hester is, he wouldn't have 197 receiving touchdowns, he would have 240. Oh my God. That's how far away Hester is. Yeah. So I wrote a I wrote a series on Windy City Gridiron where I took one statistical area per day and I wrote a column and I published one per day. Okay. Um, I also wrote a piece earlier than that called The Impossible Task of Kicking Away from Devin Hester. And it was just about plays where he didn't have the ball and the positive yardage and the positive gains that the Bears had. You can't find any other player on this ballot where you could spend five days writing in-depth statistical breakdowns of their career. I love Julius Peppers, but he has sacks. He's not first all-time. He's got the touchdowns. You know, he's not first all-time in, in return touchdowns. Now, as a defensive lineman, the things that he did I – mean, I'm not trying to dismiss Julius Peppers. Yeah, I, no, he's, no. he's one of the all-time greats. And I covered him in 2012, and he was a super great guy. I, I'm just noting that, like, at a certain point, the fact that Devin Hester didn't have all these snaps is, is meaningless. At, at, a yeah. certain point, at a certain point, you just say, okay, that doesn't matter anymore. And there isn't another player where you could do that. There isn't another player on this ballot where you could spend five days without looking like you're writing puff pieces and just yeah. sort of fill in space where you could write five in-depth pieces about different areas of their careers. Here's another one. You talk about snap counts. Okay. Yeah. Devin Hester, Matt Forte. What do we know about Matt Forte? Yardage, 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 high touch. Yep. Okay. Hester and Forte as teammates, percentage of touches versus percentage of team yards. Forte, 36% of the touches. Hester, 10% of the touches. Forte, 21% of the yards. Hester, 19.5% of the yards. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. The Super Bowl season, Hester did not touch the ball on, on offense or defense. He played yeah. corner, but he didn't have a fumble recovery. He didn't have an interception. 
Thomas Jones, 35% of the touches. Devin Hester, 7% of the touches. Thomas Jones, 17.5% of the yards. Devin Hester, 15.9% of the yards. Jeez. Now, returners are always kind of going to do that because yeah. they're just the yards per touch are going to be are going to be greater. But to me, that's like, yeah. So why just ignore what they're bringing to the table? And if you're going to sit here and talk about snap counts, then you should have elected more than five centers since 1987. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, that's when you put those numbers like that. It's it, it just. It's crazy. Like I said, I, I'm so glad I have you on to explain that because that is, that's fantastic. Um, yeah, kind of one of my final things before we kind of wrap things up because um, you've done a great job, and this is like, I think the listeners are really gonna like this. But as a fan, as someone who watched Devin Hester, man, like you know, I tell people I have cousins who who never get to see him play. You know, I relatives never get to see him play. I would describe him as you know, I've heard this tossed out there before is like he was a guy that like it was almost like that 98 home run chase where you I've compared it to that too yeah anytime sosa mcguire were at bat you had to watch the game like mm -hmm. you had to watch it mm -hmm. for for me man anytime there was a punt or kick return it was like i don't care if you're gonna pee your pants or whatever or if like you really need water or something you still you're gonna watch it and the soldier boy and just the excitement and like even just like knowing that the other team fears him so much was just insane to me. Um, what was your favorite play? Maybe return, um, you saw an offense, anything your favorite play. Mine, honestly, mine was a simple one. Um, you know, I think a lot of people say the Super Bowl. Mine was at the first one at Green Bay. I was at that game. It was my first oh, Bears Packers wow. game. So for me, my Bears fan in my whole life, like, I've been a Bears fan my whole entire Where were life. you sitting? Was he running towards you? Um, kind of so side, away he from was you? um we were on the 40 and he was going um left to right. So, so he you were you were you but you were watching his whole that's awesome. Oh yeah, he that's fielded so it, he fielded it right there. And, right. That's so I mean, good. I mean I know you remember like that put that was pretty much put the game on ice, pretty much. I mean, that was it was 26 yeah, it was, nothing. 26 was, nothing, yeah. Yeah, and for me, I was like, that's my favorite player. Like, uh, this yeah. is my favorite player. And I'm lucky I get to do this job now and cover the team and everything. But I was a fan, too. Like, I'm still a fan. But um, Absolutely. Like, that was my guy. I'm like, this guy is insane. Like, anyone that can make me get up off my – I was, like, a sophomore in high school, I think. Yeah. Or junior in high school. But um, what was your favorite, like, moment? Like, it, it might not even be a play. Like, what was your favorite moment with Devin Astor? Man, it's it, that is – no, that is that is really hard because there are so many plays that yeah. are special in different ways. You mentioned the Super Bowl. The Cardinals' return is special yeah. in its own way. The Giants' return is special in its own way. The Rams' double up is special. You know, the second one with the hands team out. Um, you've got yeah, you've got the Vikings one. Uh, well, he he killed the Vikings a lot, but the 2010 one in the snow. Remember when when the Vikings uh, when the Metrodome roof had collapsed? Yeah. So they were playing University of Minnesota, yeah. and uh, and that one where he breaks away and it's just like everyone you can see everyone's a step slow because of the snow, but Devin's just going. One of the plays that I think of most with Devin is his first offensive touchdown. So okay. that so that was the game um, in 2007 against Minnesota. It was Adrian Peterson's first game against us. Devin started it with a punt return touchdown. And that punt return touchdown 
was crazy. Yeah. And then Adrian killed us. It was his coming out party, three touchdowns, the rookie rushing record, 224 yards. And we were down by two scores. Greasy went to Moose, score, get the ball back. And Devin, I think either that week or the week before, they had started really playing him at receiver. That game was his first, I think that game was his first catch. But to tie the game, they sent Devin just, it was, I started calling it Devin Go Deep in 2007. Okay. It was, that was the play, Devin Go Deep. Like and it was just, he was guaranteed he was getting a catch or a flag, 81-yard touchdown. And it was like, oh, my gosh, he is, I've never seen anybody like this. And I've seen deep ball threats. We were coming off the Berrien year. But yeah. there was something different about Hester's speed. He had another one in 08, also against the Vikings. He killed the Vikings. Um, it was a, it was a quick slant on the turf, you know, in the, in the dome, and he took it 65 yards yeah. to the house from Kyle Orton, and it was it was like from the slot, boom, over, catch, dip, like dipped his hips, boom, go, and uh, it was that's you see his speed in a different way. Um, where there's not that disorientation that comes on a return where guys are running and looking and blocking. And th there's <laughs> some of those offensive plays that he made, the, the grab against the Cowboys yeah. uh, in 2010 in the corner with the hand up. And, oh, man, just – Monday Night Football, I think it was? Or, uh, or was it – No, that was a different one. So then the, the next – so then in 2012 we played them on Monday night, and he had a touchdown reception in that game too. But, That's what um, it was. But, you know, the, the one against Green Bay in 2010, which was his first return touchdown in three years, that was really special because you were just waiting for him to get back to it, and, and he did. And the one with the Falcons, quite frankly, yeah. because, number one, it broke that record. Number two, he's breaking Dion's record in Dion's house in Dion's jersey, and Dion's there announcing the game. They're playing the Bucks. Lovey is coaching the Bucks. Um Devin that game also had a peanut punch when Matt yeah. Ryan threw an interception and then Devin forced a fumble and recovered it to get the ball back. I mean, that was really cool. It was cool that he got that touchdown. It was also cool to, you know, as a returner, Devin needs like every little bit probably of his resume. There are some guys who need just like every bit of their resume yeah. for different reasons. And I think the fact that he was able to get a touchdown not on the Bears so that no one could be like, Oh, well, something about the Bears. Like, no one could say that. Like, he went to Atlanta and he got one, and he led the NFL in kick return yards with Atlanta. And, um, and then he went to Seattle. Uh, went, at the end of the season, he didn't even play a regular season game for the Seahawks. Oh, and just, yeah. They, they signed him right before the playoffs. Yeah, that's right. So, yeah. so the fact that he did that. So, I don't know. It's really hard to say what is my favorite. De I mean, here's another favorite Devin Hester play. It's not even his play. The, the Johnny Knox, the fake punt return. Yeah. That, no one else could do that. Yeah. And that's the, that her that's that perfect, perfect connection between Devin and Dave Tobe and Johnny Knox. Just three people who are like working at another level. Um the Phantom Flag. Yeah. The refs had no idea what's going on. So they, they just, call, they, just <laughs> they call they called it on Corey Graham. Corey Graham the year that yeah. he went to the Pro Bowl as a special teamer. Oh, it's heartbreaking. But I don't know. It's really hard. It's really hard. If I had to say one Devin play, gosh, I love that 81-yard touchdown. Yeah. We tied the game. It was a reception. But my favorite Hester return touchdown is probably the missed field goal 
because of the deep and the speed, just the pure run. Remember when Vasher did his the year before, it was on that windy game, so the, the yeah. ball hooked all the way over, and, uh, and he fielded it, and then he did the spin move to get away from linemen. But that that one uh, for Hester, just that raw speed, seeing Hunter Hillenmeyer just wax the kicker, and um, oh, man. That, that was, was the, really uh... – the ball and celebration because the Giants yes. defense used to do the yeah. – Yes, yes, yes. Well, I'll, that, I'll, I'll tell you this. I mean, a lot of these guys on this ballot are really a collection of numbers. You know, yeah. the, the really the special, special, special people who are Hall of Famers are a collection of feelings matched by a collection of numbers. And some guys are only a collection of feelings. Bo Jackson. Yeah. You know, Bo Jackson – because of his, you know, because of his injury, he doesn't have those numbers. He's he, but he's got that legacy of of, of feeling. Mike Vick, another another one. Um, but the, the but the rare ones are the ones who are both. They are the collection of feelings, how they made you feel, and then it's it shows up on the stat page. Uh, are are we? Is this video going to be broadcast or is it just audio? Uh, I, I'm gonna try to do video too. Yeah. So I usually right. um. Try so to I want. YouTube. So I want. I want you to close your eyes and I'll and I'll and okay. I'll show you and I'll show viewers what makes Devin Hester so special. Are you ready? Yep. Eyes closed. Devin Hester, back deep to return. What does your face do? What I... comes in your head when you hear <laughs> those six words? Um, first off, I'm, I'm thinking soldier boy. I'm thinking him getting ready. <laughs> um, and I'm just excited. I'm like flat out excited. I'm like, just, I know that there's going to be like, I know that I know that I could potentially see a, a, an incredible play. That's like just what's kind of going through my mind, honestly. Now with no disrespect to any of these great, great NFL players who are on this ballot, there are very few people who you could make someone close yes. their eyes and have all these images and emotions and feelings come into their head. Yep. That's a Hall of Famer. He's yep. got I agree. He's got, he's got the emotional experience, he's got the statistical dominance, he's got the peak seasons, he's got the longevity. He did it from first year to fi- first game to final game. He changed games, individual key games, Super Bowl. Yeah. Yep. And he's got all of the other players who were potentially the best saying it's him. That's a Hall of Famer. Yeah, I hundred percent agree. I uh, it's incredible. Um, I was gonna say while you were mentioning that Vikings punt return, I think it was the AP game. I correct me if I'm wrong here. Probably my second favorite return was the Vikings one. The punt he takes back and he does like the one toe like he's just on his big toe like the weirdest angle and he gets out of the tackle and it's just and then boom he's gone and yeah. i'll never forget that one i think it was baldinger who was on the call someone was on the call and they're just they like, went back and i never noticed it and they're like watch how he steps and how he's just balancing just on it's it's incredible man it's devin had a pause devin had a pause yeah. on his returns i i wrote about that in um 2010, I wrote a column about his Seattle punt return, which was, um, uh, which was, I mean, they were all works of art. But he had this pause, and he's talked about it, which is, which is great. And it was this little moment where he was doing a couple of things. Number one, 
He was giving his blockers time to set up. Number two, he was looking to see where everyone was. And number three, he was letting the defense relax just a, an eensy, eensy bit. And that, that little pause, those little things that you notice when you get to watch someone every Sunday for, you know, what, eight years? God, yeah, eight, nine years, I think it was. Man, eight years. the stuff, those little things that you notice. I mean, that, that is greatness. And to take nothing away, all, again, the only guys who are really in danger of not making the hall are Eric Allen, uh, maybe Rodney Harrison, but at this point, I think Willie Anderson is getting in. I think Fred Taylor's getting in, and and Darren Woodson, and and then the other ten guys were all first ballot semifinalists. So they remember, like I said, they're they're all getting in at some point. It's just yeah. a question of figuring out the order at this point. Class of twenty twenty four, Devin Hester. That's your order. You go. Give me Peppers. Give me one of the wide receivers. I would take uh, Torrey Holt, but either one, don't care. Uh, give me Peppers. Give me one of the wide receivers. Give me Hester. Figure it out from there. Last two spots. Yeah. I hope you're right. I hope he gets in. Oh, I'm not right. That's not what's going to happen. But <laughs> but that's what I would. That's what yeah. I would do. But that is what voters should do because it is it is the right time to decide to honor someone who is the best ever. You're you're most of these guys were not the best ever. Some of these guys were not even the best ever. Honestly. You, you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. Fred Taylor wasn't even the best ever. Yeah. Like you never think, yeah. You never you know, think of him in the best. Reggie, yeah. Reggie Wayne in his best seasons was he had an all pro, he had an AP one, he had the 1510, yeah. you know, led the league in receiving yards, but you were never like, oh, Reggie Wayne. Like, yeah. you know, all all respect again. I'm just like, he's getting in, but at a certain point you just have to say, if we're not going to vote in the greatest returner of all time, then just we're not going to vote in any returners. And why don't we just come out and admit that? But yeah. that's not what they're doing because they wouldn't have made him a first ballot finalist. They already have yes. shown that they support him. So now's the time voters listen yeah. to Dan. <laughs> you know the what? Time. Dude, we need some good news too. Like we need some really good news <laughs> with all we've had to endure. Um, Jack, man, thank you so much for uh, hopping on. I appreciate it. Um, Obviously, where can everyone follow you on Twitter, um, X, whatever they call it these days? Um, where can everyone read your work? Anything else you want to put out there? Yeah, definitely. Yours? So I, I am I am working on still slow and steady since 2020, but I am working on a Bulls book. It is called Six Rings. It is going to be the first book on the entire Bulls dynasty. Believe it or not, such a book does not exist. It will. And you can subscribe to my newsletter at readjack.substack.com. Com. That's readjack.substack.com. And you can get all my research, all my interviews. Um, uh, you can subscribe for the low, low price of packs in a month or pip in a year. Okay. Five and uh, 33. There you go. Right? Yeah. There you go. There you I go. appreciate it again, man. Thank you so much for taking the time. I know you're a busy guy. Um, and I know you have kids too, so it's, it's, it's hard, but I really appreciate Absolutely. it. Thank you for having me, Zach. This was awesome. For sure. I really appreciate for sure. it. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC.